Good Wednesday evening, folks. Glad that you guys are out and about tonight. We're going to be jumping into some Bible study in a minute. I am very impressed that actually there are people that pay attention to the screen and when we are promoting things. So if you were looking tonight, you may have noticed some times that we're off. Forgive us. There's a lot that's been going on. They actually switched some times. So best thing, watch the webpage of pcbc.tv. Women's Tea, 930 is my understanding, 930. And then Christmas Eve services, we have two, one at 3.30 and one at 5 this year. So that will be the things, and those all be corrected by Sunday. Also, I have some great news. We had a great Next Steps giving this last Sunday. We're down to $60,000 to go. And so isn't that great? Absolutely just spectacular. We are super pumped about all of that. So uh, Sean is going to teach for me tonight. I've got a finance committee meeting. We're going to be working on some new things, and I need to be in there with them. So Sean will be doing that. We're going to get as much out of Sean as we can before he's gone. Remember, we are taking a love offering for Brother Sean, and a tough time to take one for Sean, but uh, we want to show him our love. You can be getting ready for that. And on the 19th, we will send them off with a reception at 4 p.m. on that Sunday afternoon. So put that on your calendar as well. But before Sean comes to teach, why don't you get up, move through the room, and wish somebody a Merry Christmas from a PCBC family. All right? Share some love, and we will see you Sunday. All right, all right. We're going to go ahead and get started here in a minute when you make your way back to your seat. So Pastor Bill said we were in Ephesians chapter 7, is that right? That was my stab at humor tonight. There are not seven chapters in Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, he said that last week y'all went through verse 12. So we're going to pick up in verse 13, and we will go uh, in the allotted time that we have. He also mentioned that 
on Wednesday nights, we've been doing the uh, ponder, picture, and pray. So we will, we will do that, continue to practice that, uh, a great habit. When Bob was taking us through the staff a couple years ago through one-on-one with God, that was something that he kind of introduced, and we've been trying to really practice uh, regularly. So what I will do is what he has done the past few weeks, I'll go over or I'll read a couple of verses, I'll throw it to you in your tables uh, to ponder it. That just simply means to think through what it's actually saying. And as we ponder the scripture, as we really think through it, uh, oftentimes God will give us a picture. And when we get that picture, uh, I'll give you a little time to share it with those at your table. Uh, we'll call it test of minutes, uh, where everybody would have an opportunity to share just for a minute or so about maybe what the Lord was showing them in those couple of verses, and then we'll pray over it. You'll just spend a moment there at your table uh, praying uh, over what the Lord shows you, and then we'll move on to the next little chunk of Scripture and do the same thing uh, with the time that we have. So let me read the first couple of verses. They actually go together. Starting in verse 13, Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and I'm reading it out of the New International Version. Please follow along in, in your favorite version. It reads this way, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So take a couple of moments, read through those couple of verses yourself, and then ponder what the Lord's saying there. If he gives you a picture, I'll tell you uh, when time is up, share that with those at your table, and then we'll move into just a moment of prayer over that. So I'll give you about, he said he normally gives you about four or five minutes. So we'll get back together at about 10 after 6. It's 6.06 right now. So look through those verses, see what the Lord shows you. If there's been anything that's really stood out to you, that, that maybe the Lord gave you a picture, or sometimes it's not a picture. Sometimes he speaks to us in, in practical ways, like instead of giving us a picture, he might say, this is how you should apply this to your life. Uh, so take a moment and share with those at your table any insight that you feel like the Lord may have showed you. And then after a moment or two, I'll share a little bit of, of what I got out of it. All right. L let me uh, share a couple thoughts that I had, and, and then we'll pause for a moment and uh, pray through uh, what we've chatted about. So in verse 13, it starts with a conjunction. So really it's tying what you talked about last week to what we're starting with this week. So I, I went back again, maybe I should have mentioned to you as well, but I went back again and looked at the couple of verses leading into this and, and Paul was talking to them as people that God had called out of the world, called out of their sin. 
and according to his plan, his great plan, that they were predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ. And this idea of God's plan and then fitting into it, Paul rolls out of that into what we just looked at, and you were also included in Christ. So I couldn't help but to ask questions as I was going through it myself and say, when were they included, or why were they included, or how were they included? So as we work through thirteen, verse 13, it really answers those or answers those questions that I was asking, and that is, uh, you know, who was included, how were they included, when were they included in Christ? It says, first, when they heard the message of truth. So ultimately, in my mind, we, we know for someone to truly be in Christ, they had to first hear the message of truth. I couldn't help but to, to uh, flip over to the book of Romans mentally and think of our responsibility with that. Because in Romans chapter 10, Paul writes to the church at Rome, faith comes by hearing, hearing the message of Christ and tied into that passage in chapter 10 where that sandwiched in there, he actually says, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. Which means for someone to hear it, somebody else actually has to tell it. Which really places on our shoulders an unbelievable privilege as well as a heavy responsibility. A privilege in the sense that God would allow you and me to partner with him and making sure that people have an opportunity to hear the message. A responsibility that as we look through the Bible from cover to cover, we are his plan. There's only one other place in scripture that I see uh, forwardly looking that God is going to use someone else to actually share the gospel message. Just finished reading through the Bible again this year, uh, yes, this yesterday, and I was reminded about midway through, I think it's Revelation 14 if I remember it right, but if not, it's really close to that, it says, talking about a future time, the, the uh, seven years of tribulation I'm convinced the Bible teaches about it says that there will be an angel that God will send that will actually preach the gospel now it doesn't take away from the humans that will live during that time that will also be sharing the gospel but the time will be so tough that God will literally send an angel to preach the gospel but until then you and I are his plan so if we know from scripture that people are not included in Christ until they first hear the gospel, we need to really be praying that God would help us be more intentional and more faithful at telling the message often and telling it well, uh, being sure that we're uh, helping people the best that we can understand that there's only one way to make peace with God. There's only one way that a person's sins can be forgiven. And that's to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and to explain that Lord simply means he's master. 
There, there, there is no one else. He's the one that left heaven and came to earth and lived a perfect life. He's the one that died a sacrificial death. He's the one that was raised from the dead. And the resurrection itself declares that he is God and that our sins can be forgiven. Paul's saying you were included in Christ when you heard this message. He refers to it as the message of truth. Jesus said in John 14, 16, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then he goes on and says, this is the gospel of your salvation. It's the only good news that saves. We could argue that there's a lot of good news in the world. And sometimes that's hard to find. The way media seems to uh, publish bad news because that seems to attract more listeners or viewers. But there's some good news if we look around. There are some good things happening in the world, but there's only one good news. That's the gospel of our salvation, and that's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Then he says, when you believe, so they have to hear it, but then they have to believe it. Now, that's between the Lord and the person. We're the sharers of the message, but God's the only one that changes the heart, right? Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6? Uh, Paul told the church at Corinth when they were uh, kind of struggling about, you know, well, some follow Apollo, some follow all this. He, he's kind of correcting that teaching, and then he gets into this uh, a part about the gospel and it moving forward. And he says, I planted the gospel. In other words, he started that church. He shared the gospel in that community in Corinth. He said, Apollos watered it, so his ministry partner, Apollos, came after him and continued to share the gospel. But then he said, but God makes it grow. Some versions that you read out of says God will give the increase. Same exact thing. So ultimately, God's the one that changes the heart. So here when Paul says, you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. So this idea of a person choosing to trust Christ, that's between that individual and the Lord. Our part is to share the message and leave the results up to God. That doesn't, when I say leave the results up to God, it doesn't mean that we don't challenge the person in a loving way and say, have you ever experienced that in your life? Do you know this to be true in your life? It's like the analogy Jesus used in calling his first disciples. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. It'd be silly if we cast the, uh, the net in their day or threw the, the hook in the water in our day and not actually pull it in and see if there's a fish. So we're to share the message and then ask a question like, have you ever experienced that in your life? But then what happens from there is totally up to the Lord and that individual. So we need to be praying. Now when a person believes, as Paul's saying here, here's where I feel like the Lord started to give me a little picture as we were moving into the next part. He says, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So at the moment a person believes, based on this text and also what we see in other places in the scripture, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in a person's life. So if we were to read through the Old Testament again, tonight together if we had time and read through the whole thing we would notice that the Holy Spirit would come upon people at times but then he would move about 
He wouldn't rest or reside in that person permanently. But we see in the New Testament, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit would be with them. If you go back into uh, uh, the Gospel of, of John, and even in the, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1 when he talked about the whole or the early part of chapter 2 when he talked about the Holy Spirit rested on them the the verb there rested actually uh, is uh, the verb tense that indicates permanency that the Holy Spirit resides and doesn't leave so so the picture I was getting out of that and and this is it's hard to sometimes use a, a human analogy to illustrate a heavenly point so forgive me if this doesn't translate for you. But the other day I was sitting in line at the bank to make a deposit. Well, in 51 years of life, every deposit I've ever made and I've gone back to make a withdrawal, it's always been there. I've, I've never gone to the bank to make a withdrawal and they've said, I'm sorry, we don't have your money. Now that could happen and maybe it's happened to you in your life, but for me it's never happened. So in a similar way, as I was reading through this, and, and I thought about, you know, the moment we believe the Holy Spirit takes up royal residence uh, in, in our life, and He is a guarantee that on that day, forward thinking, that the reality of my salvation will take on a whole nother level because I'll really be with God face to face. Now, I had eternal life the moment I believed. When I surrendered my life to Jesus, I received eternal life. But we can all agree that it gets better. Now, what I'm talking about is, I, again, I just finished the Bible reading again, so I just walked through uh, Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. And my Bible teaches that there will be a day that this bag of bones will be perfected. And that there'll be no more pain and no more crying. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more aches and no more pains. I had a, a, a wild moment the other day and decided I was going to get in shape. And I ran a little bit Monday night. And when I ran last night, I felt like I was my legs were elephant legs. But my body wasn't an elephant body, so it was hard to control those elephant legs. I felt like I was just barely moving trying to run down the highway because my body just doesn't work like it. One day I won't ever have to worry about that. Why? Because I'll be made whole. My eternal life will take on a whole nother level. The Holy Spirit guarantees that. Even more so than, than me going through a bank and believing that the next time I go, go through, I can actually make that withdrawal. So in a sense, as I was picturing uh, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, I was thinking of it like a bank, in that when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he was giving to me, he was given to me like a deposit, guaranteeing one day that I will walk the streets of gold. And I will have a spot beyond that crystal sea. More importantly, as the Bible teaches, I will see God face to face. And for that guarantee, I'm incredibly thankful. I'm incredibly grateful. So whatever picture God gave you, or if you take comfort or encouragement from the picture 
that he gave me and I share with you. Take a moment and, and pray over that back to the Lord. And I'll do the same quietly here and then we'll move on to the next few verses. So take a moment and pray over what you've learned and, and shared and what I've talked about. Father, thank you first for reminding us tonight in these couple of verses that Christ is our hope. He is our salvation, that the Lord Jesus made it possible that we could know you and have the promise of life everlasting. Thank you for sending the promised Holy Spirit to dwell within our life and in our heart. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, even that he is a deposit, testifying, giving witness to that we are your children, those of us that have confessed Christ as Lord, and that this witness, this testimony is a guarantee that on that great day of redemption that we would stand before you face to face and then be in your presence forever in the eternal kingdom. Thank you for your grace, your goodness. Thank you for not giving us what we deserve, your mercy. Thank you for the hope we have and the seal that secures it. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the next handful of verses uh, I'll read through and then give you some moments uh, to uh, look through it yourself and then uh, chat around your table and then we'll, we'll get back again. Now, the, the next part, Paul actually, because of their position in Christ and Paul being thankful of that, he walks into some uh, a prayer so uh, that he's praying for them. So I want you to uh, after I read it, I want you to look through it again and consider the content of his prayer and how God might speak to you uh, about how these uh, might play out in your own life, but also how it might um, govern the way you, and, and pray for me, the way that I would pray for those that are close to me, uh, those that are in my circle of influence, because I'm not sure that we always pray like this. Uh, sometimes our, our prayers don't carry the, the content, or maybe I should just say mine. Mine are not always filled with the content uh, that we see in Paul's prayer. So I'm, I'm sure we can learn a great deal from it. Verse 15 and following, here's how it reads. For this reason, talking about the position he has in Christ and the guarantee uh, with the seal of the Holy Spirit on their life, he says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and all your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. So, so that those couple of verses are fairly easy. Paul says, I'm thankful for you, and I remember you in my prayers. Now listen how Paul prays in the next verses. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, as Paul said, he prayed for them. There's a, there's a good bit just in those few verses. It's really, his prayer is really rich, if you will. Read through that again. Uh, ponder it. Give it some thought. Ask the Lord uh, either to give you a picture of something that you might uh, work on in your own journey or, or some practical steps that you might take, uh, be able to take in your life. Uh, I'll give you some moments to think about that and then some moments to share it around your table and then I'll comment. So go ahead and uh, take a moment and read through it again. As you've read through it and continue, if the Lord's given you a picture of any part of that, or, or a practical step that you might share with your group, please uh, feel free to go ahead and share around your table. Okay, I, I hear great conversations going, but for sake of time, I'm going to move us right along, and I, I could overhear a couple of tables. I was really excited about some of the conversation. L let me walk through it real quickly. For these verses, I, I felt like I got more of a a picture, if you will. Sometimes when I work through verses, I feel like the Lord just gives me more of, of the practical side, straight application. For these, I actually got a few images, if you will, that I felt like uh, were good for me that I'll share in hopes that I hope it'll translate. Uh, but again, let me comment, the richness of his prayer. I'm just not sure we pray like that a whole lot. Uh, and, and please don't hear this the wrong way because we have you know, illnesses in our home that we pray for as well. Uh, we had a guest speaker here that spoke at our um, our uh, marriage conference maybe four or five years ago, and I'm drawing a blank on his name, a gentleman, uh, been in ministry a lot, a lot of years, and he came in and he made the comment that I, I chuckled, but at the same time, I, I get it, I understand. He said, uh, most of our prayers in churches like ours, if we're not careful, we could actually name the organ files, and that we pray for everybody's organs that are going bad. And, and please hear me, I, under, I understand why we do that, because pain is real, and, and, and sickness is a reality, and we should want people to be well. Uh, even John, I think it was in First John, said, I, I pray your soul prospers even as your health prospers. So obviously, Peter says, uh, cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. So that's our sicknesses too. And, and we have it in our home. We pray for it regularly. So don't hear me diminishing that. But if we're not careful, that seems to be the content of our prayers. 
Paul, I mean, he just goes right into, I, I remember, you know, I'm remembering you in my prayers. And honestly, he doesn't even acknowledge help needs. Not saying that that's something we're not supposed to acknowledge. But it seems that there are other priorities that he prays for. And, and the, the first one right off the bat, I love, uh, he says, I, I, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. This comes from the guy that in sitting in prison who could have been praying, God, get me out of this mess, prayed, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. In the book of Philippians, right? He says, I want to know Christ. I mean, that was the way he just he started. I mean, they just couldn't do anything to Paul that would get him out of that frame of mind. You know, if you don't quit preaching, we're going to put you in jail. And he says, well, to live is Christ, but to die is gain, right? You know, well, we're going to kill you. Well, good. I'm ready to go, but I probably should stay to help everybody else kind of thing. I mean, he just wanted to know God more intimately and to serve him more passionately. So when I was, I was reading through that, and, and uh, please hear me in all humility, I really thought of my mother-in-law. My, my mother-in-law, who uh, lived until, I think she went to be with the Lord uh, eight, eight years ago at 92, uh, man, she was a person that I really, when I, I think of people who really know God, now please understand, if we confess Christ as Lord, we know God. But in the way Paul's speaking here, he's saying, I want to know him deeper and deeper and more intimately. I want to walk closer and closer with the Lord. When I would see my mother-in-law, that's what I would think of. I want to be like her. Now, she wasn't Jesus, obviously. She had her faults just like we all do. But she was way further down the road spiritually than I even feel that I am today. So much so that I, we found after she passed a lot of uh, stuff that she had, her journals, and she wrote the Bible in her own words. Now, please hear when I say that. She wrote the Bible. That's Genesis through Revelation. She journaled and put the scripture in her own words. Didn't change anything. Not, she wasn't doing heresy. She just journaled through the scripture and wrote it in her language in a way that she could really understand from cover to cover. I've read it numerous times, but I've never been disciplined enough to actually do that. So when I was reading that, I, I was thinking of her, and Lord, help me to be uh, more like her. And then it goes on, and, and by the way, that's another ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you see there, Paul says, I pray that the Spirit, that's a capital S, of wisdom and revelation, uh, that God would give you him in more measure so that you may know him better. So understand that the, um, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit never leaves us, right? Takes up royal residence in our life. He's always with us. But the power of the Holy Spirit, in a sense, comes and goes. We may be stronger in the Spirit in moments and weaker in the Spirit at other times, right? Paul writes about that in Galatians uh, when he says that if we uh, gratify, the, if we, we lean to the flesh, we gratify desires of our flesh. So I say walk in the Spirit so that you will not gratify. In other words, depend on his power. Lean into him, however you want to say it. 
so that he'll do that. Well, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to enlighten our mind in a way that we would better understand who God is. He, he's to help the scripture come alive to us. Paul's praying that the scripture would do this for the sole purpose that we would know God better. So how do we really get to know God better? Uh, it's really impossible apart from the study of his word. Because as we study his word, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, in other words, the Holy Spirit, who part of his ministry is, is to open our minds to what the word is saying for the sole purpose, the primary purpose, that we would know God more intimately. A secondary purpose is that we would share him more faithfully. But first and foremost, that we would get to know him better. And out of that overflow, it would spill over into our conversations in our life. Then he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So, so the picture that God gave me on that uh, took me all the way back to my days at the University of South Carolina. I was uh, I'd just gotten out of the Navy. No, actually, this was before I went in the Navy. I was about an 18, 19-year-old student before I did a, 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 I went to school for a year or so before I went into the Navy, and I was studying education, and I was taking a, a class in special education. It didn't matter what grade you wanted to teach, you had to take some special ed classes, and they, uh, they said in order to better understand how to minister to people with different special needs, it's better if you put yourself in a position that would help you understand them a little better. So we did a bunch of different exercises, but one of them specifically reminded me of this part where Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He uses the picture of, of, of our heart, you know, the center of who we are. He uses as that our eyes would be enlightened so that we would uh, know the hope that God's given us. Well, I remember when I was in that class one time, I had to do an exercise as if I were physically disabled. So they blindfolded me. And I had to walk across campus. But I had a guide that couldn't touch me. I had to listen to the voice. So as I was walking across campus, very reluctantly, pretty insecure 18-year-old wondering what people thought about how I must have looked, but also not wanting to trip up or run into somebody or, or, or walk off of a sidewalk and twist my ankle I listened very intently because I wanted to hear slow down speed up go left go right watch out somebody's approaching I wanted to listen as I was reading this I went back to that moment and thought of how freeing it was when I could actually hear that voice and know that that voice was not going to tell me to do anything that would put me in danger I felt safe I felt secure and I started thinking also of when they took the blindfold off finally. But for the part of being enlightened so that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes, I started thinking there are a lot of competing voices in life today. But if we want our eyes to truly be enlightened, we do have to listen to that voice. And that's the Spirit of God that would speak to us and primarily does it through his word. He can speak to us in other ways. Sometimes it's other people. Like perhaps somebody said something at your table tonight that really spoke to you. God may have used your neighbor. 
tonight to say something to you that you won't forget and maybe you'll put into practice when you leave. This one is one I heard around a couple of tables being talked about uh, that I also felt like I had a, a picture of tonight. Paul also prayed about his, uh, talking about God's incomparably great power for those of us who believe. He said it's the same power as the mighty strength that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And then if we read through the rest, exalted him above everything. That's paraphrasing what the last couple of verses say. The power that raised Christ from the dead and then exalted him above everything that is. Now I want you to catch this for a moment. It's talking about this incomparably great power. Let's hang for a second and then I'll give you the picture the Lord gave me. So when, when Christ, it says that raised Jesus from the dead. So when Christ died on the cross... The reason he died was because our sin was on him, right? 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, the one who knew no sin became sin. It doesn't say that he sinned. He became, which means he took your sin and mine and he placed it on himself. This is the reason he died. He didn't die because he did anything wrong. He died because we were not right with God and he wanted us to be right with God. So he took our sin and he placed it on himself. So when this is talking about a resurrection, please understand it's not just talking about a physical resurrection. Even more so that we often don't talk about, it's talking about he was brought back from spiritual death. That's why it's in one of Paul's letters, and I'm drawing a blank on the actual address, might be Ephesians. It says that he's the firstborn from among the dead. Jesus is not the first person that was raised from the dead physically. That's not what that passage is referring to. It's saying that he's firstborn from the dead. He's the first one that was bought back from spiritual death. Because he conquered sin. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. So when this is referring to God's incomparably great power, the physical resurrection in itself is unbelievable. But Jesus raised someone from the dead, and others have as well. Uh, what's the guy that fell out and died when Paul was preaching out of the window? Eutychus. Eutychus, too, if you fell three stories. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, you know, Paul went out and... Uh, got over him and then he came back to life, right? So people have been raised from the dead before. But Jesus is firstborn from spiritual death. And now spiritual life is possible because of him. So the power that Paul is referring to is a power, that's why it says incomparably great, it's really beyond our comprehension. And I heard some great stories being told about the, the, some pictures about power. And as great as those are, and some that I might share, think about it. They pale in the comparison to truly how powerful God really is. If you've ever studied uh, weightlifting at all, which I, I used to be a power lifter and loved it and traveled and did it for 18 years around the world, uh, but, but I by far wasn't the strongest guy I've ever met. I've met guys way stronger than I have. And I remember one time seeing a guy deadlift more than 1,000 pounds. I think it was 1,100 and something pounds, seeing him deadlift that. So deadlift in, in the world of powerlifting is supposed to be the most difficult one because it enlists 
all of the muscle groups in the body. Like a bench press, you're using mostly chest, tries. That's the one everybody talks about and everybody wants to see when you walk in the gym. But a deadlift actually is, is the hardest on the body and uses the most amount of muscle. And that's when somebody just walks up to a bar with weight on each side, has to squat down. I can't squat down like I used to, but has to squat down, not in the way that I am now, a little different. Grabs the bar and then stands up and pulls it up like this. I mean, it's, it's using every muscle fiber you got in your body. Well, well I, I remember seeing somebody do like over 11, 1,200 pounds. At, at one, I don't know what the record is now, but at the time it was like the world record. And I thought, how in the world can somebody be that powerful? It made no sense to me. Of course, he was big as a house. <laughs> somebody said he, he was... Uh, Strong enough to eat a bale of hay and probably dumb enough to do it. I, no, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just teasing, you know, because he's just big and strong. But he was so powerful, and I thought, anything that we come up with to explain power really pales in comparison to just how powerful God is. And if I read that right, he says that power is available to you and me. Which literally means... We could overcome anything that comes our way if we would really trust God through it. Doesn't mean we'll escape trial, challenge, or tribulation. But what it does mean is there's nothing that could keep us from being who God called us to be and doing what God has called us to do if we would really depend on Him. Take a moment and pray with those. Well, actually, it's almost... Uh, it's time to move into our prayer time. So if you would, uh, there's a prayer sheet or some prayer sheets at your table. Uh, if you would take a, a moment there at your table and uh, look through those if you've not already. And as the Lord would lead you uh, to pray for anyone uh, on those sheets or all of them, pray as the Lord will lead. And then there are some cards on there. Uh, if there's one that God really impresses on your heart, love for you to fill out a little uh postcard and write a note to them and when you're done I'm just going to kind of close and say when you're done praying you feel free to leave as you need to at the uh, welcome center booth which is out to the left because of the Christmas tree there should be a basket on there if you'll drop those cards in that basket they don't have to be addressed or anything we'll make sure they get addressed if you don't have that just put the name on the card and whatever note the Lord uh, leads you to leave for that person and drop it in that basket and when you are done, uh, you are free to leave. Just remember that God loves you, and we do too. So spend a few moments in prayer, if you would, before you slip out. And thank you for being here tonight.